This is the Quantum Biology Podcast, where we break down the practical health applications of this emerging science, starting with healthy light habits and going wherever the quantum superhighway takes us. In this episode, we talk to Dr. Francisco Gutierrez, a physician with over 25 years of experience in internal medicine. He has won numerous awards for his patient-centered work, including being named top physician by the Consumer Research Council of America. In this interview, Dr. Gutierrez shares his journey through the healthcare industry, how he came to expand his view of health to include a quantum biologic paradigm, and the realization that to practice medicine the way he wanted to, he'd have to set up his own business. Dr. Gutierrez explains his approach to metabolic health and breaks down the process of becoming a startup doctor. This is a good one. Hello, Dr. Gutierrez. Wonderful to see you. Thanks for being here. Hi, Mary. Uh, I'm happy to be here. Right. So give us a quick rundown. You started, um, you were born in El Salvador, is that correct? That is correct. And then you rose to the heights of hospital administration in the U.S., and uh, now you're independent. So could you give us a quick a quick overview of that journey? Sure. Um, so, you know, I was born in El Salvador you know, back a few decades ago. Um, and then I went to medical school actually in El Salvador. And then I came in, um, did my residency and chief um, residency in New York, New York City. So my specialty is internal medicine. I'm board certified in uh, internal medicine. And I, I came to work uh, in Rhode Island as an uh, internal medicine physician, primary care, in the year 2000. And since then, I've pretty much seen a lot of the evolution um, of the medical system here in the United States. Um, I started as a solo practitioner, you know, within the insurance industry. Uh, and then that went well until it didn't go well. <laughs> Then I was kind of forced to sell out into a group practice, and that went well until it didn't go well. And then I became an employed physician in a big hospital system where I kind of rose through the ranks and became uh, basically an executive on the administrative side. And that went well until it didn't go well. <laughs> and then... Uh, uh, and you know, it's a I, I say that with a grain of salt, but it's a it's the nature of our business where it is becoming very difficult to be yourself as a medical doctor. So um, then I left. Uh, I thought I was kind of, you know, I was well, I was kind of like not in limbo, but I was kind of like uh, trying to figure out how how to continue my career, and then um, I was out of uh, practice, so to speak, for maybe a year. Um, and then I came back and I went to work for a urgent care in, in, uh, um, in premier care uh, office or, or company here in Rhode Island. Um, and then COVID came. And then that's when I said, you know, when I came back, I came down with COVID, I, you know, it was kind of like a reckoning, trying to figure out how to, how to um, continue my career. I, when I was recovering from COVID, this was uh, the first wave before any vaccines. Um, and, you know, I wasn't deathly ill, but I was ill enough that it took me a couple of weeks to recover. I didn't have the appetite to 
come back into the medical system and I was trying to figure out a way to, to uh, continue my career because I, I think I'm still young and I had acquired all this um, knowledge and wisdom uh, as far as what we're going to talk about, uh, the, the uh, mitochondria and light, sunlight and quantum biology that um, I decided I needed, uh, you know, it wasn't a good idea for me just to die with this knowledge <laughs> and, uh, 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 and not, not apply it. And, and, uh, but I couldn't, uh, at the same time, I understood that within the medical system, it was impossible for me to apply uh, the, the concepts, these concepts, the way that I, I, I think it would be appropriate for my patients. So then that's when I said, okay, so we're going to do a reset. I talked to my wife. She was very supportive. And I left the medical system and I founded Solimar Direct Health, which is basically a direct primary care practice. So we don't we're kind of outside, well, we are outside the medical system in the sense of that we don't take insurance. It's a, it's a membership. Um, so, you know, I charge a, a, a monthly fee for the members. Uh, and what that allows me is to make a living, but also allows me the um, creativity to apply the concepts that I learned through my journey uh, around quantum biology and mitochondrial health and sunlight, et cetera. So that's like a brief story of how I got here. Wow, what that's an incredible journey, and I, I'm impressed because you know each time you said it went well until it didn't, it went well until it didn't. Like you were able to uh, reframe things, reinvent yourself, do what needed to be done to move on to the next phase, which is a skill that not everyone possesses. So you're a great role model in that way. But I'm also hearing you say that the medical system is changing and changing and changing. And it seems like it's really difficult for doctors. You go to medical school, you'll get your degree, you're told, okay, go practice. And it's, it sounds to be almost like it's difficult to keep up with uh, an industry, which it has become, I would say, that is changing so quickly and how to make a living, how to serve your patients, how to like fit all those pieces together. Probably most doctors have student loans to pay off. It just sure. it seems like a, it's become a much more complex endeavor than maybe it used to be. Is that fair to say? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a monster now. You know, it's I you know I'm 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 qualified to give an opinion because I have not only been uh, working uh, and uh, practicing from the from the clinical standpoint, but I've also been in charge of different administrative programs from, uh, from hospital systems um, where the complexities of uh, taking care of patients, have, you know, they, they, they just continue to become um, harder and harder and harder and harder uh, for the patients and for the doctors too. So, you know, and when, when I started back in the year 2000 as a solo practitioner within the system, um, nobody was employed, it, you know, no doctors were employed. Now, pretty much every doctor is employed by these hospital systems. And unfortunately, what that creates is a, it's an environment where the customer is not the patient, but the customer is the employer, you know, and, the, and, and, and I, I say that because I lived it and I lived it 
from both ends, from the clinical end and from the administrative end. So it's really, when you look at the statistics and you, and you look at the rate of burnout for physicians, and sadly, the rate of suicide uh, by physicians, um, it's, it's a, a astounding. And it, and it speaks to what you said, that uh, a lot of the doctors, certainly the doctors of my generation, we didn't sign up for this. We, we signed up to be a physician. We didn't sign up to be an employee of a big corporation, you know? Right. It's a completely different game. And it's, it's, it's sort of changed mid-career for a lot of you. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I know also that from a patient standpoint, I moved to the United States in 2019 and we had health insurance uh, through my husband's work. And I would go on the website to find out what doctor I was allowed to make an appointment with that would be covered. And, um, you know, being who I am, I was trying to find the ones who had the most sort of quote unquote alternative mindset. And I, it got to the point where I was looking at physicians, um, with different nationalities, because I know that certain (laughs) being trained in other countries were more open to certain types of things. And like, I was just, I was trying to find ways to play that system in order to have a doctor who would agree to do a vitamin D panel or who would be open to supplements instead of drugs or all these kinds of things. So, um, even from a patient standpoint, it's gotten really complicated and you're almost, you're kind of fed a you know, fed a provider regardless of your personal preferences or needs. Right, exactly. And, and uh, the, the interesting thing, you know, uh, now doing direct primary care for, for uh, a year and a half now is that neither the patients nor the doctors know that there's an alternative. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, it, I, and, and I speak, I speak that from my perspective before, and I oftentimes I used to say, "Well, there's got to be a better way." I, you know, I can't, I can't stand this. And, you know, what, what am I doing? You know, uh, especially after learning all, all, all the stuff that I that I learned about the mitochondria and sunlight, and there's got to be a, a better way. It's got to be a better way. And lo and behold, there was a better way. It's funny when you ask a question, you get an answer. The world is, yeah. is interesting that way. Oh, exactly. What is a better way? Oh, look, here it is. Yeah, right. <laughs> Let's make exactly. one. If there isn't, we can build one, right? I think that's the other thing too, is that we get very locked into the way things have been or the way things are, especially with something that seems as monolithic as the healthcare industry, right? It just is so it seems impossible that you could carve out something different and yet you did right you know it's 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 uh, it speaks to, to the fact that that's how they program us they pro- they program you the patients and us the doctors in a certain way and then you think that it's the only way but no i mean there as you very well know i mean there are other ways of treating diabetes without having to resort to drugs Certainly we can use drugs, but that's not the only answer. There are certain ways of treating hypertension the same way. Certain, you know, uh, it doesn't have to be a very monolithic way. You know, there, there are in, in the same vein, there are ways to practice medicine where you don't have to be beholden by the medical system. You know, uh, there are 
And that's legitimate. I mean, you know, and at the end of the day, what answers the question is the results that you get by doing the things that you decide to do. And, and you know, a year and a half out, I have results both on the clinical end and on the business end. So, you know, it's like, you know, doing something completely uh, different than what I was programmed for many, many, many years. Yes. And I want, I want to get into that because, you know, as I mentioned to you before we, we did the podcast, uh, you know, in the community and that I'm involved with, right. in the quantum biology collective, and we have a lot of people who hear from a lot of doctors who are at a crossroads. They know that what they're doing is not serving their patients. They know that they are personally unhappy. They are sort of chafing under the um, stringent uh, rules of working within a, a hospital system, which more and more of them are now, like there are even fewer and fewer sort of independent doctors that can take insurance. Uh, and yet, as we just said, it's like, okay, so what do we do? What's next? So I want to unpack um, your journey in two ways. And first, let's start with the paradigm shift that you made in terms of health. Uh, and then I, and then we'll get into um, the paradigm shift that you made in terms of structuring your business so that you can continue to serve patients and earn a living. So in terms of the paradigm, I think we have a lot of um, traditionally trained allopathic doctors who understand there's something more. And they, the logical next step a lot of them take is to become a functional medicine mm -hmm. doctor. Now, what sure. we are talking about here in terms of a quantum biologic approach to health is a step even beyond that. Yeah, that's so right. So could you explain from your point of view what that means? Sure, absolutely. So let's start by um, my journey into the paradigm, right? Because I, I went through, through those same steps, except that I kind of bypassed the functional medicine step. but. Um, <laughs> So in the year 2007, I had just turned 41 years old and I woke up with some neurological symptoms that ended up being a stroke. And at the time, as you know, because I've told, told the story before, um, you know, I was a squash champion, state champion. I was starting to get into cycling. And then, but that opened my eyes. I said, because I thought I was doing the thing, things right according to what I had been uh, taught. Turned out I, I wasn't, but you know I thought I was. Um, and then I tried to figure out, well, why did I come down with a stroke? And then, then I, you know, I said, well, I asked two questions. Well, one is either I didn't pay attention in class, and I didn't think that was the answer, or two, maybe they didn't teach me all that I really needed to learn. So that is what kind of opened up my mind and to try to investigate how things really work. And that was 2007. So. I went along and then I started learning a little bit about nutrition and, and I, I um, understood that I didn't get any instruction in nutrition. Um, so I kind of changed my diet and I, you know, I kind of was improving in, in my health that way. That opened my eyes. But every time I try to apply some of these concepts that I had learned, um, it was impossible for me to like people would come patients would come to me in my office in the exam room and ask me you know what oh wow you look great what did you do well I, you know i don't have 
an hour to tell you. <laughs> I only have five minutes and I'm already an hour behind. You know, it's like, you know, I, I sometimes think that that's kind of done by design because, uh, you know, the, the system doesn't want you to like engage patients in that way. Um, so it becomes a lot easier to just write for a pill than, than get into that conversation. But anyway, so then it was around the, the year 2012 that I, um, I, I heard a, a podcast from Dr. Cruz, Dr. Jack Cruz. And then I didn't understand what he was saying. And you know, I thought at the beginning he was like talking gibberish. <laughs> I didn't understand. <laughs> but but uh, um, but you know, it kind of, you know, I'm I'm one of these people that when I I'm curious about something, you know, I go in and and do my own diligence. So I did, I, I did some some uh, uh, research and read some of the, the books and articles that he recommended. And then I had known about the, the mitochondria from a third grade level and then medical school level. And yeah, you know, the powerhouse of the cell, the powerhouse of the cell, yeah, sure. And then the, and then the aha moment that I had was when I suddenly realized what everybody knows, but nobody really realizes that the, the, that the mitochondria makes energy by the electron transfer chain. So everybody knows that, but nobody understands what electrons are and how they work, right? So then if it dawned on me what Dr. Cruz was trying to say, it's, you know, it's if you, if the mitochondria is uh, what is, it's important for, for our health and it works with electrons and electrons are programmed by photons and the mitochondria uses protons also, then you have to understand the physics. You have to understand quantum physics, basically, or at least the concepts. So that's what really kind of like, that was my trajectory to understand. And then I, the other aha moment that I had was, well, many aha moments, but you know, uh, in, the, in, a, in a linear way was that the mitochondria has its own DNA and that the DNA uh, it comes in like groups like called haplotypes and it depends on where you where your mother comes from and you, your mother uh, line comes from then you're going to have a different type of mitochondria function um, like for example I come from uh, uh, Central America El Salvador so my mitochondria works a little bit different than maybe your mitochondria Meredith. so that uh, the insight that that gave me was the what modern medicine, the one that I was trained in, um, says that it was a truth that randomized placebo controlled trials you can't really randomize people because you don't know what their mitochondrial haplotype is, and it gets even deeper than that because the mitochondrial DNA, even if if you have even if they've done studies in twins where the 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 uh the one uh one letter change in the mitochondrial DNA in identical twins makes their, their epigenetics be completely different. So then that's when I started to say, well, you know, what has been fed to me as a truth and the only truth for so long, uh, maybe it's not necessarily the only truth. You know, it's that all, all these things were, were going uh, into, my, into my brain. And that's when I, I kind of like understood, well, you know, I, now I understand why I had the stroke. Now I understand why. I've had patients that come to me with certain ailment, uh, ailments and I'm not able to help them because 
I don't have, I was only given one set of tools in the toolbox, but I don't have other tools within the toolbox that I need to apply to help my patients. And that's basically, that realization is basically what uh, led me to uh, finally break off and uh, construct the program that we use here in the, in, in, at Solimar to help patients. We use elements from allopathic medicine, but we also use all these elements that, that you and I have been talking about for, for the last few, few months. Um, and it's, a, it's, it's all complementary. So that's basically like a, an outline of how I got here. Wow. So when you made the leap to look at what's going on in the human body from the perspective of quantum physics, could you dig into that a little bit further? Because uh, the consensus within the mainstream scientific community is that quantum mechanical processes do not happen in living systems, i.e. warm, wet environments. And then a lot of research to show that that is perhaps incorrect, but how were you able to make that leap putting together Dr. Cruz's work with your own experience? Like what allowed you to say, okay, wait a minute, (laughs) there may be an entirely different paradigm that can, we can be using here. Yeah. So once I understood the, 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 the mitochondria, the electron transport chain, um, then I knew, so electrons are, are, you, are the realm of quantum physics, right? Le- electrons, photons, and protons. So then I understood that I needed to, to understand that. Uh, and, but the second, the second thing was when I finally understood the uh, circadian uh, uh, clock in our, in our system that responds to, to sunlight, it responds to light, you know, so... That's also quantum physics. That's a, that that trans that translates photons inside your eye and your skin via these things called melanopsin, which are photoreceptors. Translates and makes them into basically electricity, and that really controls all the um, all the programs that we have inside our body. You know that that's those two things. They have to be quantum, and you know, they, they, there's no there's no other way. Now, I I'm I'm aware that the that the fit the physicists um, say that you know, quite the quantum coherence and all that other stuff doesn't happen, and in, in, uh, our biology is way too messy. But if you read, um, I think Khalil is is his name, and also if you read Nick Lane, um, Khalil is I think he wrote a book. He and another Clearly, person yeah. wrote a book. Yeah, the life on the edge is, uh, and they make make the case uh, with with proof um, that uh, quantum quantum phenomena happen all the time. It's just not they they don't happen all the they don't happen um, exclusively. They they because biology biology doesn't need. There you go. Just for anyone watching on YouTube, or if you're doing the audio, I have here a copy of Scientific American from April 2022. Uh, New research is revealing the biophysical basis of birds' incredible migration skills. So the quantum mechanical effect in animals was proven because that's how birds, it is now clear that's how birds migrate. They use quantum that's correct, and and you know, you also it's it's important to to understand historical perspective of what 
the quote unquote experts say, um, you know, there was a time when in medicine, when the medical experts said that the hypothesis or the, pitu the pituitary and the hypothalamus were not important because they, because they didn't know what they, what it did. They just said, oh yeah, it's just a remnant from evolution. <laughs> you know, that, that's crazy. This that's is all we know, so it must be all that's true. <laughs> that's exactly right. Exactly right. So, um, you know, I, I don't, I, uh, there was a point in my, in my life where I was, uh, not as open-minded um, but just because of the way that I was programmed but when you really read and read and read and read and you 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 actually um, also um, you know when I deal with patients and try to understand their ailments um, you know that's got to do something else I mean you know that you it's an it's not just what they taught me and it's not just what the guidelines say it's got to be something else Yes. Okay. So we're, so we've now reached the point in your journey where you have accepted that there is another approach to health. It's a quantum biologic approach. So this means that all kinds of things that we maybe weren't thinking about are really, really important. Like the kind of light we're getting, the kind of environment we're living in. So in your particular case, um, you mentioned that you were, had a stroke, which was surprising to you because you were eating well and exercising and following traditional guidelines of being healthy. So tell us, and you said, and then you realized you were doing a bunch of stuff wrong. So tell us what those things were that you were doing wrong before you understood. Yeah. So I understood that exercise was probably a buffer to everything. Right. So I, um, so I was an exerciser. I mean, I still am much less uh, than I used to be. And, uh, and I, I thought, you know, because I, I played squash, squash is one of the, I think at one point Forbes magazine named squash as the number one fitness sport uh, in, the, in the United States. And also it was the number one, fit, the number one sport for sudden death because it's so intense. Um, so, uh, um, and that turned out not to be, not to be, not to be the case. And, and in fact, the program that I that we, that I designed includes exercise, but it's sort of like a like a like a like a pyramid, and we can talk about that a little later if you want. But the foundation is circadian health, um, and then the top of the pyramid is exercise, which is important, but it's not foundational. You know, the foundational is circadian health because that relates to the health of the mitochondria, and that's what we need. So I did not have that foundation. Uh, you know, I you know, I basically lived my life indoors, except finally when I started uh, uh, taking up cycling, and I and I think that over time uh, I didn't you know appreciate the fact that cycling outside actually was more important than the the adjustments I did to my diet. So my my diet wasn't really that bad. I mean, I wasn't like a McDonald's. You know, I wasn't going eating fast food, but I did eat a lot of, you know, carbohydrates, a lot of simple carbs, like a lot of rice, a lot of beans, a lot of bread, you know, um, like the, the white bread that, that was mainly my, my sin, uh, as far as, uh, as far as diet is concerned. But my major sin is that I was indoors. Uh, my life was an indoor life, basically that, and that's, 
those are the things that, so I, I had my pyramid completely in reverse. And although I did have the, the top of the pyramid correct, um, I ended up with this, with this stroke. And it took me, you know, 15 years to understand that. But that's the reality. That's, that's exactly what happened. And what we do now in the office with our program is we work on the foundation, which is circadian health, which in turn is mitochondrial health. And the bigger the foundation, the better you'll be. Could you, so could you explain um, the circadian foundation a little bit more? If you have, when you have a new patient who's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> what do you mean yeah, go up? <laughs> Give me a pill. So, yeah. So I, so, you know, I, I explained to, I explained it to them this way. So look, you know, um, first of all, just because you have a, you know, I, let's pretend that you're my patient just because you, you haven't heard about this, um, doesn't mean that it's not important, you know, number one, it, that was a, a 2017 Nobel prize in, in uh, medicine and physiology, the molecular mechanisms of our body clock. So then I explained to them that our body clock is the symphony. I mean, the, uh, uh, the um, director of the symphony that is our metabolism. So, and then I explained to them this way too. Just as an engine has a timing belt, you know, Ferrari or Lamborghini or Nissan Sentra has a timing belt for the engine to work correctly. If the timing belt is off, it doesn't matter if you put jet fuel or if you put, uh, or if you run it, the engine's gonna eventually break. So our timing belt is our, our body clock. But the problem with the body clock is that it needs to be synchronized every day um, because um, you know otherwise it won't run correctly. So the way that we synchronize it is the major way to synchronize it is by sunlight at different times of the day, but the most important one is around around sunrise and darkness at night. That's number one. And number two is the timing that you eat. And because we're eat, we're made to eat at a certain time during the day during daylight, not at nighttime. And those studies have been done. I mean, they've, they've you know, they've, they've done a, a remarkable study where they, uh, they infuse the same amount of glucose for a, for a period of time and no change in glucose as the, as the evening progresses, the glucose starts to build up and build up in the blood because the pancreas, pancreas doesn't work the same way. Insulin doesn't work the same way as it does at night, as it does during the day. Those, I mean, these are all published studies in science. So we, we tell them that. And the third thing is uh, how to connect to the earth or grounding, because we're, we have sensors in our, in our bodies that can tell the time of day and the time of season by just connecting to the earth. If we get that, then we build that circadian foundation and we do that every single day then the director of the symphony can direct the symphony perfectly. That's 85%. That's, that's how I explain to them. And then, you know, the other, the other way to explain, it depends on the person, but I have people that come here and they say, well, but I eat well. And I can tell that they eat well just by looking at their labs, but their vitamin D is trash. So then right off the bat, I say, well, yeah, your problem is not the food that you eat. It's not that you don't exercise. It's the fact that you're indoors too much. And then just give me a, a, a couple of months and just, just do what I tell you. 
And what we tell them is, not, is nothing like sophisticated. We just say, just go outside barefoot at sunrise. You know, it's like, you know, it's not, it's not, there's no like, I mean, it's nothing really like uh, hard to do. Just, just do it. And, you know, and we've had, you know, we've had some incredible results and they, 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 you know, when they come after, after just one month, they open their eyes. I said, wow, I, I didn't know I could feel so good. I didn't know that, you know, lost 10 pounds just by doing that, you know, and, and sure we made some tweaks to, to, to their diet, but uh, it's just based on how we were, we were designed to function. I and you didn't invent this. We just write the manual. That's, that's just the way it is, you know? Yeah, it's incredible. And I think sometimes the simplicity of it um, almost, you know, almost works against it because it seems like, well, I've been trying to lose this weight for so long, or I've been trying to get my energy back for so long. And you're just telling me to go outside in the morning with bare feet. And yeah, that, right. that's all. <laughs> make that change you know it, it feels like it should be more complicated but i guess it's life that has become more complicated humans are actually quite simple we're supposed to eat during the day and be outside and sleep at night in the dark that's it you got it that's the foundation that's the foundation and then what you eat needs to be a supplement of sunlight you know it's it, you know i've heard just recently i've heard Dr. Cruz say it this way, the same way that I've been saying it. it, you know, it's not about getting nutrition. It's not about, yeah, certainly, you know, there are certain nutrients that we can't make, like vitamin C, for example, that, that we need to get from the diet, but, and, you know, DHA, obviously, that's a major one. But, um, but the point of food is not getting the nutrients, it's getting back the sunlight, because we're not tethered to the earth under the sun 24-7 like plants are we move so then we we need to and we're way more complex than, than plants so we have to get the sunlight back when you look at what the mitochondria does and even even before it gets the, the the what we eat gets into the mitochondria it's looking for the electrons in the food that's why it's called the electron transfer chain it's not called the calorie transfer chain or the carbohydrate transfer chain that's all it's doing is looking for electrons programmed by the sun and the earth. That's it. It's that simple. So what does that mean in terms of choosing what food to eat? That's, that's what, what I, you know, what I explain to, to patients this way, right? Because we're, that's another half truth that we have been fed is about calories, right? So I don't understand where the calories came into biology. It doesn't make any sense. A calorie is a unit of heat that was invented to describe heat energy when building steam engines for ships in the 1800s. That's what a calorie is. How did it come into the, and I have no idea. But I explained to people this way. So let's, let's pretend that you have a, a Ferrari and then you're going to put fuel in the Ferrari, right? So I said, a gallon of gasoline has the exact same amount of calories that 10 pounds of coal. Same amount of calories, 30,000 calories. You can look it up. Now, you wouldn't dream of putting coal into your Ferrari engine. Why not? You know, it's cheaper, has the same amount of calories. And then you'll tell me, no, you're silly. I mean, I'm, I'm going to break the, 
break the break the motor, right? So why are you putting coal into your Ferrari engine by eating potato chips or eating stuff that doesn't have the fuel that we need, which is sunlight? And then I make the point. Okay, so now when you eat, just look for foods in the in the in the in the supermarket or farmer's market or whatever, wherever you buy your food that are programmed by the sun and the earth, like vegetables, depending on the season, seasonal fruits, or the animal that ate that, those, those foods. But a bag of potato chips, that was created in a lab that has no sunlight. And, and what that does, we're not, when you're not putting the fuel that your body is looking for, then your body thinks, oh my God, there's no sunlight. There's no energy. So then I better start turning on programs like high insulin and high uric acid and all other programs that get turned on that make you gain fat because those programs served as well when we didn't have enough food when there was a real famine. That's how this works. So people say that obesity is, is excess energy. Obesity is not excess energy, it's lack of energy because we don't, your mitochondria is looking for the sunlight and you're not giving it to her. So then it gains fat. That's how this works. Incredible. So tell us um, a little bit about some of the results that you've seen um, with the patients who've come to your new clinic. So, yeah, uh, at the very beginning, when I designed the the program. And I, I, I actually opened the office as a primary care doctor under a different business model. So um, it just, along the way, you know, I say, well, you know, I have the opportunity now. So I'm going to design this program based on these concepts that we've been discussing, and I'm going to put it to work with, uh, with, with patients. That kind of like went that's how the brand evolved, if you will. You know, it's like I didn't start out to do this like exactly the way we're doing it. It just evolved based on the results. So at the very beginning, you know, when I put these concepts with patients to work with patients, I didn't have much expectation other than, you know, maybe get them, get people to feel better and, you know, improve some of the numbers in the, in the, in the bloodstream because, you know, I, I'm still trained allopathically, right? So I, I've been trained a very specific way. So then, you know, I, I uh, very early on, I have I, a patient came as a, as a new patient. He wasn't feeling well. Uh, he's thin. Uh, and then he, um, you know, I diagnosed him with type 2 diabetes. And the sugar was like 500 and A1C, which is a marker for sugar control. Um, over the previous three months was like... Um, literally it was like 14. So normal is less than 5.5 and this was 14. So it's very uncontrolled. So in my previous life, um, I would have probably been arrested or something if I didn't put that person on insulin, which is kind of the wrong approach. Uh, but I said, look, you know, I have this program, uh, you know, why, why don't we engage? And I had to put them on a medication because you know, I had no, no choice. The sugar was a little too high. So, but I put them on an oral medication, not, not insulin. So in two months, his A1C had come down to eight. And then in six months, 
he's off all medications, his A1C is down down to six. And I couldn't believe it, you know. He couldn't believe it. And and just by doing these concepts. So what did you tell him to do specifically? Go outside in the morning. Yeah. Our our program is very deep. Yeah, our our program is very detailed. So it's it's like a prescription. You know, okay. but instead of saying, okay, take a, a you know, take a Crestor of five milligrams once a day, we say, you know, light therapy, that's the first section, light therapy, you know, get up uh, sunrise, go barefoot, you know, go grounding, de- depending on, 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 on how that person's journey in their life is, you know, we, we give, you know, it's personalized, so we give different, but everybody gets that. Everybody gets, has to get a, a, a sunrise, go grounding, get outside, get take the sun at least, you know, five minutes uh, during the day. And then at nighttime, use the blue blockers or change your lighting and then sleep in darkness. Gotta be done. There's no, there's no negotiation here. That's those, be dark. Non-negotiables. those are the foundational practices of regaining yeah. health or maintaining health. Yeah. Okay. That's it. Yeah. That there's no, because if you want to be healthy and if you want to have healthy mitochondria, you got to have melatonin and melatonin doesn't like light, doesn't like any light, but certainly not the, not the blue light. So if it doesn't come out, then your repair mechanisms are not going to work well. And then eventually you build up six cells and then those six cells can turn into something worse, like cancer or any chronic inflammatory disease. So that that's you know that's the foundation. That's how we start our program. And then you know of course you know we we also te- uh, teach people on foods to eat based on what their tastes are. You know, and keeping in you know keeping the the concept of real food programmed by the sun and the earth. And sometimes we even go, not that I make any money uh, by, by doing this, but we recommend specific brands of things that we use in, that we eat in, 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 our, in our house, um, you know, just because we know that, that they're, good, they're, they're good things to, to eat. And then, you know, as far as exercise, there, there will be a point where probably if we keep growing the way we're growing, I, I would like to have like an exercise wing of Solimar, because I think it's important. But um, at this point, all we ask people to do is go outside and walk, if you can, barefoot, three times a week for 20 to 30 minutes every single day. But it's got to be outside, no sunscreen, the, 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 the fewest clothes possible. You know, where right now it's here, it's cold. So, so that's, yeah. that's a bummer. But certainly no, let that sunlight hit your eye. Uh, you know that that's what we recommend everybody across the board if they want to go to the gym or do cycling or do whatever they want they can but at the very minimum that's what we uh, ask them to do as far as exercise so you know it's like a it's like a um it's a pyramid but everything is complementary but the foundation is a circadian right so so the young man with with the crazy insulin levels uh, showed improvement after a month and he was showing normal at six months. Is that correct? That's right. Wow. That's right. And then I, I also, then that's one of the earlier cases and, and 
kind of dramatic, but the most dramatic case that, I, that we have now currently is a, is a lady that I mentioned to you a couple of weeks ago um, with stage four um, colorectal cancer, in, inoperable. Um, so, you know, we, I sent her to Dana-Farber, top three. Some people say this is the top cancer center in the world and she's getting chemo, she's still getting chemotherapy. Um, but what's really amazing about this story is um, I had a conversation with her. I said, look, you know, this is not, uh, it's not an ideal situation, but it's not the end of the world. You know, we, we have to do what we have to do uh, uh, as far as modern medicine is concerned. But you and I are going to work very closely together and you are gonna, you're going to promise me you're going to do these things. So she did. So in her case, we actually designed her a diet, which is kind of ketogenic, basically. And that comes from a Nobel Prize won by Otto Warburg in 1931 that says that cancer doesn't like sugar. That's a, I don't want to go into that tangent. Um, but I mentioned it for 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 a reason that I'll tell you uh, at the end of the story is we are going to to do that you are going to wake up at sunrise you're going to sleep in darkness and you're going to go walk on the beach she even bought grounding mats grounding mattress grounding shoes um actually the grounding shoes uh, as a, an aside, the, her mother now wants to buy the grounding shoes because they look pretty cool. So anyway, to make a, to make a long story short, uh, her cancer, um, you know, we do this type of x-ray called a PET scan. And the PET scan basically is a, a type of x-ray that um, when you have a cancer, it lights up in the area where you have a cancer. So in her PET scan, she had three different lesions in her liver. And she had a big lesion in her uh, rectal area, which uh, so, uh, and then we measure something called the CEA, which is a, a protein that the cancer makes. And hers was very high. Hers started out like at 70. Um, so we, she underwent the treatment. She underwent the, the, the everything like, but to a T, everything that I, that I, that we recommended. And in two weeks, her, uh, protein marker was came down from 70 to 30. In the th third week, it had come down to five, which is the normal range is from zero to five. Wow. And I couldn't believe it. And then in the after her fourth treatment, uh, they did a PET scan, a follow-up PET scan after four treatments. And the liver, the lesions in the liver were gone. And the tumor in the, in the rectum just lit up just like a little tiny lip. That's incredible. The, the, the interesting thing about this story is that they did a genetic analysis of the tumor itself mm -hmm. to predict whether the um, chemotherapy that she was on, the protocol she was on, was going to be successful. And it turned out uh, that it... it it read less likely to be successful to that particular chemotherapy, which is still getting. So wow. that is to say that it's not necessarily the chemotherapy. I think, you know, she, I don't want to also say that she's cured because she's, you know, I can't say that. 
but all I can say is that she's responded in a way that even the, the cancer doctors couldn't couldn't believe. And and the reason why I mentioned uh, Otto Warburg in Nobel Prize 1931 that we know that cancer loves sugar. Mm-hmm. That's Nobel Prize. It's almost 100 years ago. And they're still giving jello in, in the cancer center. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're still giving peanut butter and jello and jelly sandwich. It's like, you know, I, I don't have 100 years to apply these new concepts with my patients. You know, thinking about the 2017 Nobel Prize about circadian biology. You know, I can't, I can't wait until the medical system accepts this as a, uh, uh, as, as a standard of care. I don't, you know, I can't wait until the year 2300. You know, I was like, you know, I only have so much lifetime. That's why I interview. It's true. I, whenever I interview um, a doctor, a physician, a surgeon who has researched this, I ask, how long do you think until this is taught? And they say minimum 20 years. But the more people I talk to and the more stories I hear, I'm thinking like, I don't know if this will ever be <laughs> integrated. Yeah the traditional institutional medical education. Yeah, it, it, it is it is frustrating because we're talking about Nobel Prize. I mean, you know, yeah. uh, the work, if, the work, there has been books, uh, papers published, yet the cancer centers are still giving candy, basically, in the, in the you know, it's like, okay, even the PET scan, the, the PET scan, all that is, is it lights up because we inject a sugar, a radio label type of sugar. And wow. the reason why it lights up is the cancer loves it. You know, it's like, I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> so anyway. it's not, it's it, the truth that, is out that, it, and yet it gets ignored. Yeah, that, that is a, a, a remarkable story though. That, that, yeah, is, really, that is a truly remarkable story. And I, and I'm, I love, that you know your approach is to harness the best of all possible knowledge right like go to the best cancer treatment center you possibly can and you know do what they get what they have to offer and right. do all of restore your body to its natural state which is aren't we're not meant to have cancer i mean that's a state of dis- and so you yeah. and so you were saying she was i mean i extremely highly compliant with all of your recommendations in terms of going outside and doing all of those things. Absolutely. Yep. Extreme. Now, even when I asked her to go grounding, a, 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 um, uh, you know, on the beach, walking on the beach, she even went inside in, into the ocean. It, even now, now that it's cold, she, for a little brief period, you know, right. so all, all of those, all, all of these effects are cumulative, you know, it's like, um, and and your point your point is well taken. You know, is we we need to understand the context of where we are in our environment and apply all we have available to to get to a result that we want to get. You know, so um, and that's what basically what 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 we do in the office, and that's what we're promoting with the Quantum Biology Collective. You, you know, yeah, and that I mean, as a as a patient, as someone who who trusts in, trusts in the medical system, as most people still do, although I think that's changing, we're losing our faith a little bit. 
um, you know, I think we think that's what we're getting. Uh, and mm-hmm. yet, you know, I now no longer go to doctors who work in the, in the main, you know, who work within the system. I have a, a pediatrician and we do in-person wellness checks once a year for the children. Um, and we see specialists as needed, but yeah, we have, we use concierge medicine because I now know that I can't get this kind of quality advice from a doctor working in the system. Yeah, I, and I, I had I, I had noticed that it's, it's been going on for quite a while actually. I had, no, I had noticed that um, for almost a decade where I, I felt there was kind of a disconnect between the expectation of the patient and what I was able to offer uh, within the medical system. And, and it, it kind of like um, really, um, you know, it, you know, I, I felt frustrated um, because I kind of sensed that and understood it that way, and I felt helpless, you know. And and uh, um, but now I don't. Now I feel very happy. <laughs> That's so true. I didn't think about it from that perspective of of yeah another struggle of being a doctor, right? Is sensing that people are are like, what really? I mean, that was certainly me. I. I came to all of this information information because I had chronic fatigue and all my mm-hmm. private care provider was like, no, your labs are good. You're fine. And I'm like, but I'm not fine. <laughs> like, I don't, I, I my quality of life is not good and I don't have enough energy to get through the day. And they were like, mm, yeah, okay, you, whatever. <laughs> and like, but you're right. That must be quite frustrating and disempowering to like be in that position with patient after patient. I didn't think about it that Absolutely. way. Yeah. yeah, that that was something that really built, you know, it, it adds up. It, it, you know, all those things, you know, the fact that I only got five to 10 minutes with every patient, you know, and patients that have a laundry list of medications that I'm supposed to, uh, I can't, I couldn't even like sit down and like say, well, maybe you don't need this anymore. You know what I mean? It's like, no, you got to move on to the next one. Otherwise, you'll, you'll never go home. Wow. Okay. So let's switch gears a little. So we've, I think, done a really good job laying out the foundation of um, a quantum biologic circadian approach to health. And we've laid out how frustrating it can be to, to have an, an inkling of these other types of approaches and be constrained by a system if you're a doctor. So, Okay. So you are at the point where you know that in order to practice medicine, the way that you believe will best serve patients, you have to be independent. And this, I think, is a very difficult step for a lot of people to take, uh, which I would completely understand if I was a doctor. I have a lot of empathy for that situation Um, because you you basically have to start your own business, correct? Mm -hmm. That's correct. And then you have to figure out the business model of how to structure it. <laughs> correct. And then you have to figure out how to have people come and use it. So you could you sort of walk us through how you managed those phases of, of starting out as an independent medical practitioner, business owner? Sure. So, you know, it, it, it came through the realization that um, I was not going to go back into the regular system. Uh, you know, after COVID, 
I had a very good friend of mine that um, actually died from from uh, from COVID, and I decided no, life is too short to 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 be doing things that you don't believe wholeheartedly anymore. So that was it. So then, what I did in my in my particular case, um, it was a reset, a complete reset because I had no job. I had some savings, um, but I, I ended up actually I lost. I mean, I didn't. I sold. I sold my house. It was a. It was a. It happened in a in a um, in a in a, in a time in my life in my wife's life where we could do it because our kids are are grown. They're, they we our our major commitment, which is our children, we had already passed that. So uh, um, so then. I I I self-funded the startup, so so to speak. But I I did. Uh, it wasn't that big of an investment because the beauty of doing what I'm doing is that the our overhead is so low because we don't have to hire anybody to go build insurance companies or we don't have to. You know, it's it's very clean. So. Um, so the, the startup cost was not really that that much, but I hired a company uh, that actually helped me with the nitty gritty of setting up the office, like the website. Um, they handled the website. I handled the content, but they designed the website well, under our direction. Um, uh, things like I didn't know, you know, I, it's if you've been working as a physician uh, within the medical system and you take Medicare. You can't open up a shop and start charging like I'm charging because then Medicare can come in and put you in jail because if if you offer services that Medicare it, uh, covers and and you charge uh, out of pocket costs for those services to a Medicare patient that's that's considered fraud. So all these things that I didn't know, this wow. company, this this. You know, the system is really- So this was their so, sort of area of expertise. They had, they had specialized knowledge in how to help doctors set up this way to avoid pitfalls, right. such as going to jail for fraud. Right, exactly. That would have been not a good start to the entrepreneur life. <laughs> yeah, so- okay. uh, Excellent. Um, so th- so this is, these are companies that exist. You know, you didn't have to figure that all out on your own. You were able to hire- these experts who could guide you through the process to make sure you everything was set up soundly. Yes, correct. Okay, great, wonderful. Okay. Sure. So then and, what happened? And I still, I still uh, use them for some marketing and and some like administrative stuff. So um, that so then once we had all that set up, it took the, it was about three months. Uh, they they actually helped me um, also find a, a brick and mortar place our office and it's a fantastic we got a great deal on on, on the space is perfect for what we want to use for our for our purposes um about three months and then we just opened <laughs> we uh, i have a uh, um, i have i haven't done much marketing i i i wanted to to i wanted to reach out to the hispanic community in rhode island mm-hmm. For a lot of different reasons, but the one of the major reasons is because I'm Hispanic, and being Hispanic in these latitudes north, you know, of where we come from, put us at a very uh, at a higher risk of developing 
uh, chronic disease. And, and we right. saw that, we saw that with COVID. So, uh, um, so I, I, this uh, is I have referring back to what you mentioned earlier about the mitochondrial haplotypes making you be right. sort of more vulnerable in different environments. Correct. So uh, diseases start when there's a mismatch between our biology and our environment. So by definition, all of us who come from a tropical or subtropical, subtropical area and move to the northern latitudes, that's where the mismatch starts. So that means doesn't mean that we can't live here. It just means that we have to account for that and be more, um, you know, careful with with our how we live our lives. Right. So going back to the business, so I I have a there's a, a, a significant radio station, Hispanic radio station here in Rhode Island, uh, and I, I took an ad and. All the ad says basically, it doesn't say anything about what we've been talking about. All the ad says that I'm a doctor with 25 years of medical experience that doesn't take insurance. <laughs> and, <come laughs> and, 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 is, and is Hispanic. And then come book, call for more information. And that's how we started. And then, then you know, once they're here, when pe once people come, they're here and they experience the service, they experience yeah. all these things that we've been talking about then they become members. So, you know, it, it's been really that, that, that's been the journey. I haven't had to, to really do much. Uh, it's all about word of mouth, really. Um, and then, you know. And focusing on your community and what, uh, and uh, a, a portion of that, that community that whose needs were made, were not being well served by what, what else, by other options that were there. That's exactly really right. That's exactly right. Exactly. So, um, you know, we're, we're growing and we have plans now to, to reach out more and, and be a little bit more specific and because we really want, I really want to concentrate in, in doing this metabolic health based on circadian concepts and mitochondria. You know, I, I can certainly do treat sinus infections <laughs> and all yeah. that stuff, but I really, I, really want, I really want to really focus our energy into that, in, into into our program because I think we're really moving the needle that way. But as far as the business is concerned, the, the beauty of this model is that because it's not fee for service, it's a membership. Mm -hmm. So it, that takes a lot of the stress out of the income. You know, once you hit a, a critical point where we are right now, um, you know, I can take vacation. And, you know, it's, I, I'm not worried that I'm not like, uh, in the office seeing patients because it's a revolving revenue. So right. that's, you know, that's, that's a, I, I, I am very uh, much um, as supportive of this model because I think it serves the doctors and it serves the patients very well. And it's, it's tailor-made for the primary care practices like internal medicine or family practice. But now you, you're seeing more and more like surgeons. They, they're opening up surgery centers with the same model or GYNs with the same model. Oh, really? It's, Interesting. Yeah. So did, did the company that you worked with um, help you figure out that business model? Yes. Yes, I didn't know about it. Um, when I was um, recovering from COVID um, and I didn't have the appetite to go back to mm -hmm. this I just Googled <laughs> alternatives <laughs> and, they, and they showed up. I mean, they, they, the first, the direct primary care showed up and, you know, I said, oh, this look, 
sounds interesting. So I Googled Dirk and Eric here, boom, they showed up. I said, okay, it sounds interesting. So I set up a call with, with one of them and the rest is history. Wow. So I hope there's a lot of doctors listening because this is a, this is a doable proposition. Now, would oh. you, would you consider, um, you know, if, if there's doctors listening to this or who meet you somewhere and they're like, I really like what you do, but I, I just can't make the leap to starting my own business, but could I work for you? Could I open up an office in, you know, Miami or Boise or somewhere else? Would you consider expanding that way? Oh yeah, absolutely. I I'm, I I consider every single thing that that, that comes that comes uh, any any opportunity, particularly with regards to the brand. Uh, you know how we, you know uh, how we apply the concepts. Um, because you know, truth be told, that is really what's killing us, right? What what's killing us is the me- the metabolic diseases that come from this mismatch between biology and the environment. They did a study and the statistic is remarkable. It's 90% of adult Americans, 90% have at least one feature of the metabolic syndrome. So 256 million people need this kind of service. (laughs) Just think about it. Yeah, it's true. And it's all of these, all of these chronic illnesses that aren't they haven't gone as far as being some a major crisis like cancer. Um, they're like what I was talking about, chronic fatigue or Lyme disease or fibromyalgia or long COVID or, um, you know, all of these sort of nebulous type illnesses that are crippling people's quality of life. But at the same time, there's no good answer at a, at the doctor's office. Like there's really nothing like my doctor there's had... Not- nothing to offer me with this. It wasn't one of those situations where I'll, I'll take a little from here and a little from there. It was like, they just threw it. They just threw up their hands. That's right. And that, and that, and that's a, that's a good point that I didn't mention that that's one of the ways how I kind of like offer our, our services. We, we do see some people that come, most of the people that, that, that come through the doors don't, don't come as members. They come we have an offer of like a kind of like a a month's worth of membership for a fee to mm-hmm. try us out. Um, yeah. And, and then, but invariably, I do a physical examination and get the types of labs that I think would help me. Um, it put in the in in into context that person's uh, metabolic health, yeah. and I show them. Right there, I show them. Look, you have this amount of insulin, this vitamin D. Unfortunately, I don't have a pill to <laughs> to give you for this. But I t- I'll tell them this is the reason why I founded this company because I, and I explained to them I have this program, and then and then they they're sold into the idea because they understand that there is no pill, you know. Yeah. You know, by by then, you know, they've already experienced our service, and and then they 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 pre- pretty much get sold, and then they see the results and then they're, they're hooked. Absolutely. And I can say from, from my personal experience, when you find somebody that finally has some answers, <laughs> like I'm very happy to pay a monthly fee to know that I have that person um, on my team when it comes exactly. to that. And so I would imagine that's how your patients feel, right? Like the relief 
Uh, we were talking earlier about the frustration and when people don't have answers, but the relief when people do have answers and I can understand what changes to make and what to do to change my results. And I have someone working with me who also understands in the same way. Like it's, it's very profound. And I wish, I wish for everybody to have that experience, which is why I'm so passionate about promoting all of it. Um, That's right. Okay. So Dr. Gutierrez, as you know, we, um, you know, we offer education in some of the basics of the science that you've been describing. Um, So if there was a doctor in front of you, who's like, yeah, I don't know. It sounds interesting, but should I do it? Should I make the leap? Should I study this stuff? Should I take this class? Should I take this certification and, and change my life? Like, what do you have to say to that person? 2017 Nobel Prize. I mean, what, what more can I say? I mean, this is this is solid science. I mean, there's, there, you know, I would say, look, you know, just just uh, do some reading. You know, uh, I I definitely did a lot of reading. Um, the mitochondria, the book by Nick Lane, uh, Sex, Power, and Suicide, that was amazing um, to try to understand all a little bit of the concepts about the electron transfer chain. It's He's a, I, I, I love listening to him and reading his, his, his book, his books. Um, but yeah, I mean, go into the literature, uh, go into, you know, as far as trying to uh, legitimize what we're saying, it's very simple. Just, you know, type in red light and Parkinson's disease, or, you know, type in low vitamin D and insulin resistance, or, you know, uh, type in earthing, grounding and inflammation into PubMed, into the National Libraries of Medicine. That's what I did. You know, I, when I started to, you know, everything that comes out of my mouth, I tell patients here, is all backed by clinical studies published in the same place where the drug companies published their studies, their truth, same place. I mean, there's no, it's, it's all science. That's what I would, I would say. I mean, you know, don't believe me, go and and do, do your own due diligence and, and you'll, you'll find, you'll find out. I mean, you know, I, for a time last year, I had a, a, a very frequent uh, complaint of uh, reflux disease, you know, um, and I didn't, I didn't know, you know, I have many patients with reflux, and I didn't know if that could have any circadian. So I typed in reflux disease and circadian rhythm or something like that. Boom, <laughs> like a plethora of studies, you know, like a beautiful review, and I said, oh yeah, everything is, everything is tied to our mitochondria and circadian rhythms. It's all there. I mean, you know, and uh, literature and more papers are being published over and over and over and over. So um, that would be from the from the science standpoint. Do your own di- diligence. This is scientific. This, this is something that you could use for your own life, but also for your patients. And from the business standpoint, um, there's, no comparison. I mean, the only the only comparison right now, this moment is, uh, I'm not making the same amount of money that I, the same paycheck I was making before, but I'm close, and I'm eventually I'm going to make even more. So, uh, but as far as the trade off for quality of life, there's no comparison, no comparison. That just to give you an example, since we opened in July 2021, I've already taken like almost ten vacations. Which that did not. Wow! Oh my God, <laughs> that right there. <laughs> There's the that did not happen. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's a it takes a leap of faith. You have to be organized. You have to know what you're doing, just so you don't get in trouble at the beginning. You, you have to understand that when you start any venture, any business, there's a risk involved. Um, but boy, let me tell you, as far as quality of life, it's a risk worth taking. Wow. Well, on that note, thank you so, so much for spending time with us today and sharing your journey. It's it's truly remarkable. And I hope that it helps a lot of people. Um, I think, you know, it's a, we all need role models. It's very hard to go where no one's gone before. It's hard to envision it. It's hard to see it. So um, thank you for sharing your story and providing that for a lot of people. Well, no, thank you for, for having me. I am very much passionate about what we're doing with the Quantum Biology Collective and educating people. And, and I really am excited to have more MDs on board into this paradigm because as Dr. Hernandez said it when we did the Spanish podcast, this is the future. This is exactly how everybody's going to be practicing medicine or at least what the people are going to start demanding, the patients are going to start demanding. So, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very thankful to you for letting me, you know, uh, share with you and the audience my little uh, journey uh, into this. Wow. We deeply appreciate it. And we'll have you back soon. There's so many more topics we could go deep on. <laughs> Thank oh, you. Yeah, absolutely. My All pleasure. Right. Take care. This has been the Quantum Biology Collective Podcast. To find a practitioner who practices from this point of view, visit our directory at quantumbiologycollective.org. If you are a practitioner, definitely take a look at the Applied Quantum Biology Certification, a six-week study of the science of the new human health paradigm and its practical application with your patients and clients. We also love to feature graduates of the program on this very podcast. Until next time, the QBC.